Hi, this is Lydia Scott from the Chicago Region Trees Initiative. You're listening to 1590 and 95.9 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. I meant what kind of flower do you want? I, I'm not familiar with flowers. I sell Basque. <laughs> You're a cook. Mushroom oh. bisque, eggplant bisque, Dr. Pepper bisque, uh, lobster bisque. You should try it. World famous lobster bisque. I will have to do that. Uh, yeah. Why don't we help you find a flower? Ah, yes. Um, so I need something that says, hey, baby. Who is your dreamboat? Uh, oh, wait, I found him. It's me. <laughs> Do you guys have that one? It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine will Good planets are hard to find Good planets are in the main This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts Every tree needs a champion Go to Bartlett.com Jet streams, perfect air And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak Right. Right? Right. Right. Hey there, hi there, ho there. We are live. We are streaming. We are all over the place. It's the Mike We are on Facebook. Yeah, we got uh, the Facebook thing is uh, is rolling Um, there. We are currently on WCGO Radio on Facebook. <laughs> so we're not I, on the... I am not able to share it on the show page No, for some no, you're killing me here. Okay, this is a... All we're, right. We'll, we'll be working on that. Uh, what do you mean you're not able to share it? It just won't share? The the Facebook gremlins are gremlining. Wow. Maybe uh, Ellie can do that. Ellie's, uh, Ellie's on it there in the... Uh, in, uh, and then we'll share... We can share the whole thing later, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's just, it is live on WCGO Radio. Yeah, but the people who are watching on Facebook don't, on our, our show don't know that. Well, <laughs> so, that's why I'm saying it. <laughs> so, I know, but they still don't know that because they're waiting on our page to get it. So, hey, you folks uh, trying to get us on on uh, on uh, the Mike Novak Show on Facebook, we're not there. Oh, wait, you can't hear that because you're not there. We're not there. Welcome to the show. We got lots going on today, uh, and uh, we're going to start right off the bat. And, and Peggy's just throwing up her hands, which is not a good sign. Maybe uh, Ellie can solve this problem. <laughs> uh, I hope so. So uh, uh, we're going to try to share that on the Mike Novak show. Uh, 
Facebook page. But meanwhile, we've got a ton of stuff on the show. I always say that, a ton of stuff. We've got a lot of guests, a lot of very nice guests. And one of them is sitting in her garden somewhere in the wilds of Maryland. Is that right, Mary Phillips? Yes, hello. Yes, hi. We're going to get to you in a second. I'm just going to warn people what else we're doing. If you go, That's why we need to be on Facebook. And so you can see Mary Phillips sitting in her garden, and um, uh, uh, she is the Senior Director of Garden for Wildlife with the National Wildlife Federation. Uh, We're also going to be talking about uh, the National Pollinator Garden Network's Million Pollinator Garden Challenge. They already have a million gardens. You got it? They are shared. Oh, how about that? (laughs) There we go. Uh, and uh, we're going to be talking about pollinators today, and we're going to be talking about healthy gardens. I say, uh, if you look at the, the blog post, a million healthy gardens, and I say a million healthy gardens is just... It's more than a million. Well, I know, but the point is a million healthy gardens is just a start. Mm-hmm. It's just a place to begin, uh, because the, the person who comes in after Mary is Ryan Anderson, and he's with Midwest Grows Green and the IPM Institute of North America. And we follow on what we're going to be talking with Mary about Chicago Grows Green Week, which is the idea that, hey, do it smart in your backyard. Make it, make it friendly to wildlife. And one of the ways you can do that is cut back on pesticides. And uh, we'll talk about how you can do that and still have a good-looking lawn and a good-looking garden. Uh, so uh, Ryan will be here later. And then in the second hour, we're talking recycling. I am so excited. Madison Hopkins from the Better Government Association has written yet another article. Can you boost me just a little bit there, Peggy? Give me a a little bit. There we go. That's better. Um, Madison Hopkins has written another article about how bad the recycling program in Chicago is. Now, we're in the middle of a transition between administrations, and and we'll talk to her about this because one of the things I don't want to have happen is the new administration come in and say, well, you know, you got to give us time. You know, we've been working on this 25 years, so uh, <laughs> it's time to get something done. And I would say hit the ground running. Make something happen in the first month or two and then, and then show mm-hmm. your chops that way. But anyway, Madison Hopkins will be here and we'll talk about recycling in Chicago. So let's go back out to Mary Phillips Garden. Where in uh, Maryland are you, Mary? Uh, hi, I'm Silver Spring, Maryland, and it's just a suburb of Washington, D.C. metro area. Uh, and uh, tell us what you've got around you there, because I, I don't have it quite in detail. So I what's... can't. Is it pause right now or freeze? I can't hear anyone. Uh-oh. Did we lose her? Can you hear me? We can, can hear now, but... We can hear you. Yeah, I can hear there you. Was, there was a freeze. Uh, okay, it, we, we we might be glitching because you've got your your computer in your backyard, which I I really appreciate. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, okay. Tell me what you grow in your own backyard. So this is um, one of uh, two hundred thirty thousand certified wildlife habitats um, that the National Wildlife Federation has recognized. And what I grow is a combination of pollinator and wildlife friendly plants. Um, right here in the garden, we have some beautiful blue uh, baptisia, wild indigo blue baptisia, which is an amazing early spring uh, pollinator nectar provider. I have live oak hydrangea behind me, um, and I have uh, just a variety of other uh, milkweeds and um, bee balm and um, 
a lot of cardinal flower. Uh, cardinal flower is a, an amazing hummingbird attractor in this area. So it's really been um, a joy. I've started this uh, garden with the habitat in mind with my children were small um, about 2008. So oh. it's just exploded. <laughs> Fantastic. That's where we start. We'll be back with Mary Phillips and the Million Pollinator Garden Challenge. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and uh, we hope you stick around. Smart farmers know that good growing starts with good soil biology, and you can't do better than with products from Tinyo Biologicals, the industry leader for 30 years, now available through Blazing Star. You'll find soil and seed inoculants, growth-promoting enzymes, foliar fertilizers, and biostimulants. Whether you're conventional, organic, or in transition, learn about Tinyo's biological farm management system. Go to blazing-star.com, and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. Winter snow isn't that far behind us, but the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards are already taking applications for this year's competition. Whether your garden is in your backyard, at a school, a church, a business, a community garden, or even an urban farm, you can enter as long as it's in the city of Chicago. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your plot of paradise might be recognized as one of the best in the city. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. Thank you, thank you. You brought your own applause? I did. Just looking for music that uh, Mark Zuckerberg won't smack down. <laughs> this will work. They, they have no idea what this is. All right, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've started off the program, and this music has nothing to do with pollinators, uh, just with swinging. Uh, But we have Mary Phillips on the Skype machine from her own backyard. And you guys need to go to Facebook and see Mary Phillips. And uh, it's a a pollinator-friendly backyard because uh, she is with the National Wildlife Federation, uh, and they teamed, well, you teamed with a bunch of people to create the National Pollinator Garden Network and the Million Pollinator Garden Challenge. Tell me how that came about. Yeah, so in 2015, um, uh, the administration at the time did uh, a, a big push to educate people that pollinators were in decline and uh, convened a number of us in the conservation and garden trade world to have some conversations about it. And from that, we all joined together. There was a core group of us, uh, the uh, American Public Garden Association, uh, National Kids uh, Garden uh, uh, Org, and uh, Pollinator Partnership, mm-hmm. American Hort, um, and National Gardens Association, as I mentioned, and uh, American Public Gardens were all co-founders along with the National Garden Bureau to launch the National Pollinator Garden Network. And from that time, we've expanded to 50 uh, plus organizations in the conservation garden sector and 
um, have brought in, which has been a wonderful National Garden Clubs, Daughters of the American Revolution, and Lynx Incorporated, really for the voluntary uh, sector to really get out there and plant gardens. And so it has just exploded in the last, uh, in three years, which is when we hit the million 40,000 gardens. Um, and we're continuing to grow and it's just been phenomenal. And one special shout out to Grow It, um, which has been started in your hometown of Chicago. Mm-hmm. It is a mobile app. Um, you may be familiar with it. They have uh, helped join the co-founder network and have been amazing. And this month they're promoting Garden for Wildlife Month on their mobile app and pollination um, for more pollinators during uh, June with Pollinator Month and Pollinator Week. Aha. Uh-huh. And what's the organization again in Chicago? Grow It. Uh, it's Grow It, uh, the plant community. And it's a mobile app. Um, they have over uh, 700,000 followers uh, nationwide. And you can put profiles of your garden. And National Wildlife Federation and the Million Pollinator Garden Challenge have profiles on there. And you can link and share your pollinator-friendly garden, uh, wildlife-friendly garden as well, on uh, Grow It. I think the point we need to make uh, is that you can make a difference uh, and actually, that's my question to you. How much of a difference can the average gardener make by putting friendly pollinator plants in their garden? Um, they can make a huge difference. So the studies we've uh, worked with different um, academics and uh, entomologists and so forth over the last uh, several years, and there is significant studies that show any space, small to large, if you put a variety, a diversity of pollinator-friendly plants in your landscape, you will increase um, bee density, um, butterfly diversity, as well as attract hummingbirds and other pollinator-friendly animals. And there are a number of studies. Um, if you go to millionpollinatorsgarden.org, uh, we have a mm-hmm. number of those studies listed to show you the impact you can make on a daily basis. And what's so inspiring with pollinator gardens is as soon as you plant them, you're starting to see the results right away. And sometimes those pollinators follow you home from <laughs> the garden center in the back right. of your car. <laughs> Well, that's that's cool. Uh, if if you get them in the car, uh, make sure you keep the windows closed. All right. Drive with might be a distraction. Yeah, and and you talk about that, and it's a wonderful. By the way, and I we we ch- chatted on the phone the other day, and if you go to my website, mikenovak.net, and you look at this week's show and the blog, uh, click on where it says Million Pollinator Garden Challenge. And that uh, PDF you guys put together is is really remarkable. It goes on for a long time, and it gives you a lot of the mm-hmm. benefits of the work you're doing, including the things uh, that you're talking about. Uh, and uh, tell me about uh, putting that together. That was a work of love, but uh, a lot of hard work, too, wasn't it? Well, thank you for asking. Yeah. <laughs> it is, because you're dealing with over 50 different organizations and their reports and and studies. And one of the the beauty of this is that what we did on the national level, it was replicated in every um, city. So the garden clubs, the garden centers, um, who, by the way, have increased plant sales significantly for pollinator-friendly plants over the last three years as a result Mm -hmm. of their engagement on this issue. And um, it, it was just, it was, it was, you know, a domino effect and how to capture a domino effect across uh, millions of people was a little challenging, but we, we did we did our best. <laughs> well, especially since uh, you've got different kinds of plants in different parts of the country, so you can't. It's not a one size fits all sort of deal. You were talking uh, 
about uh, oh the um, ah what was the uh, cardinal flower in in your yard? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people can't grow cardinal flower because it's too dry. It really yeah. needs a it, it not only needs moisture, it needs sun, and that's yeah. a particular kind of. Uh, uh, a lot of backyards just don't have that. Yeah, that mine has the moisture, but not the sun, and the cardinal flower doesn't. Right. Doesn't so grow I grow the blue uh, lobelia, which the, the great, great blue, lovely plumage, uh, and uh, <laughs> the thing which is called syphilitica. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to imagine how they got named that. But uh, moving on. Uh, cardinal flower is one of the oh what a lovely plant that is uh, and you mentioned some of the other uh, uh, pollinator friendly plants that you you have in your yard but mm-hmm. folks can find these by going to the site and clicking on some of the links right yes there's a whole resources section and it actually connects you to many of the partners uh, plant lists mm-hmm. and we also at National Wildlife Federation have what's called a native plant finder and you can put your zip code in and it will give you a list of the plants that uh, attract the highest numbers of butterflies and moths. Um, and in the Chicago area, for example, uh, Vi- viburnum, arrowhead viburnum, is a, an amazing uh, plant because one time, sometimes people forget about the, the, the woodies and the shrubs and yeah. their benefit. Um, it is about a lot of nectar-providing perennials, but the shrubs and the, and the trees, and in trees, fact, yes. amazing value. Yeah, absolutely. When we, we did a a program on the south side at Wild Blossom Meadery a few weeks ago, and uh, we got to talking about uh, trees that are pollinator-friendly. Uh, and uh, and that's important to keep in mind as well. It's not just perennials, and it's certainly not just annuals. Uh, you, you guys must have were – you, were you surprised at how quickly you reached a million gardens, or did you expect that to happen? So no, the first year was a little slow in going, <laughs> getting the word out and so forth. But we had a couple areas that were really huge lifts for us. One, obviously, we did get a lot in about 200,000 the first year, much in part due to the fact that it was uh, announced as an initiative, uh, a public-private initiative, not part of the administration. But we did get lift from First Lady Michelle Obama at the White House when we launched it in June Um, We're coming up on the anniversary, June 3rd of 2015. And then in 2017, we had additional lift. We had a huge uh, collaboration to get um, the Empire State Building lit up in the colors of uh, Pollinator. And uh, Shark Tank host Damon John flipped the switch for us. And he's a avid bee lover. He actually has uh, hives and he loves pollinators. And he was an amazing uh, support. And right after that, we got another 300,000 in the door. So we've had a couple big lifts. And then in the meantime, it has been nose to the ground of all the organizations rallying their troops, increasingly doing campaigns that then around pollinators that then they counted and um, submitted and registered. And then we had, I think it was close to 50,000 individuals go to the map and put pictures of their gardens um, on the map. And if you go to be counted at the millionpollinatorgarden.org. You can uh, click on some of those examples, and there's some really neat ones in Chicago, in the in Illinois. Well, you've got a. By the way, uh, when you said the colors of pollinators on the Empire State Building, I was going to stop you, but you were on a roll. What are right. the colors of pollinators? Well, so we struggled with that, um, and we. For simplicity with the Empire State Building people, uh, actually did the colors of a bee. So it was yellow okay. and black. It was in a giant bee costume. Exactly. <laughs> with a, with oh. a large stinger on top. <laughs> you know, you could have just had me stand on the top of the building in my bee costume and then uh, and hold my arms out. All right. Uh, 
Uh, you know, you were talking about that map. Uh, if you go to uh, the millionpollinatorgardens.org, uh, there's a map of pollinator garden hotspots, champion towns and cities. And, and it looks like uh, the United States has measles because uh, uh, those dots are all over the place. In fact, they, they reach up into Canada. So Canada got, got infected as well. Well, they did, and actually Mexico as well really turned in. That was so amazing. It turned into this amazing North American initiative. And, and quite frankly, one of the champion iconic species um, that is a, is, is a pollinator of sorts, but it's not a top pollinator, but it, its habitat supports uh, pollinators as well, mm-hmm. is the monarch butterfly. Right. And the monarch butterfly's migratory corridor does come you know, from Canada through the U.S. and into Mexico. And that species is um, 90% decline over the last 20 years. And that really was a galvanizing um, effect. The emotions, the connection that people have to pollinators and particularly butterflies has just been really moving. And that really kept the momentum going. You know, and, and there's, an, as you pointed out, kind of an irony in that the monarch butterfly is not the greatest pollinator in the world, but it is probably the most iconic butterfly. Yes, yes. and what you plant for uh, a monarch butterfly is also excellent for all uh, pollinators. So the milkweed is the host plant for the uh, caterpillars. It's the only plant that monarchs can survive on and raise their young on. But um, milkweed also provides amazing nectar uh, for uh, pollinators, and the and pollinators and monarchs need mm-hmm. lots of nectar sources. So when you plant for a monarch garden, you're also planting for pollinators. All right. So so much for uh, the a million. Uh, are you going to make it now? Your goal two million to two million pollinator <laughs> gardens. So no. Um, so what we're going to do um, is actually just um, uh, we're going to actually. There's about 35 million Americans that actually plant with flowers. So we're going to ask all of them to, at least this season, put in three different all-season pollinator plants. Excuse me, I need to check something here. Um, (laughs) And uh, sorry, something was falling down. That's okay. uh, Thanks. And, um, yeah, so we're going to ask them that. That's the call to action for 2019 is that if every American, uh, every North American (laughs) could plant um, at least um, either add to their current garden or create new ones and make sure that they have three season bloom um, for pollinators. Um, And we're not we are the map is still open. We want people to register. Um, We're still getting uh, registrants um, and we want to keep it going. But we're not the rallying around another million um, is very important, but Mm -hmm. it it also is not going to be the main focus of the campaign. All right. And t- that takes us to Garden for Wildlife Month, which is part of the National Wildlife Federation. Uh, what What are you guys doing for uh, Garden for Wildlife Month? Sure. Well, Garden for Wildlife Month, um, we've been around 46 years with the Garden for Wildlife program. And each May, May is a critical month, particularly for a lot of baby wildlife being born. Um, so we thought that was a great month to tie into helping people become aware of what they can do um, in their gardens and plant for purpose that supports um, food, water, cover, and places to raise young for wildlife. So besides the great pollinator plants um, and, and the native plants that actually provide berries and other things for birds and other wildlife, um, if you plant for cover and um, places for, for wildlife to raise young by um, again, having good shrubs and trees, but also you can supplement with a bird feeder um, or um, also for the water source, a bird bath um, is great, um, or a small fountain. 
um, or if you have a water source nearby, that counts as well. Um, so we're just trying to educate everyone and get as many um, people planting and creating habitat gardens um, this month as possible. All right, we have a quick question. We, we've right got there. a really quick question from someone who's watching, from Audrey, wondering if responsible outdoor lighting can be included in future certification processes uh, for pollinator-friendly gardens, preferably amber and 2200K. That is a wonderful actual thought. And we are actually looking um, and going through a whole Garden for Wildlife innovation process where we want to create different elements of how people can um, be more wildlife friendly. And that's really important. Um, responsible lighting is very key, particularly um, in relationship to um, birds. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, recently there was a migratory bird day and asking communities and towns to turn out their lights um, to help birds. All right, fantastic. Well, we need to uh, let people know how they can get involved with you. Uh, again, I have the links here on my website, but tell folks uh, uh, the various links that you'd like them to go to. So, um, first of all, for millionpollinatorgardens.org is for the Million Pollinator Garden Challenge. Mm -hmm. And secondly, for National uh, Wildlife Federation's Garden for Wildlife Month, it's nwf.org um, slash garden. Um, and those are the two main links. And uh, we're hoping, Peggy and I, uh, very selfishly, to sort of team up with you guys for our own gardening awards in Chicago, Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. And our focus is on sustainability, and, of course, that means pollinators. Uh, mm -hmm. So we're hoping to get uh, uh, the National Pollinator Garden Network involved with us. So we're, we're negotiating right now. We're doing our little <laughs> dance together. Uh, talk. Yeah. No, we're very excited about that. And the sustainability piece is really key. That actually is a requirement for the certified wildlife habitats and uh, a strong part of the messaging uh, in uh, the National Pollinator Garden Network as well. And um, I think, you know, that that fits in with the lighting piece that we have a, lar a large hawk uh, and a crow over here. So I love that. This is great. <laughs> so I don't know if you can hear it. Um, the other thing I want to mention is I want to do an amazing um, thank you, um, or thank you to the amazing people, I should say, in Illinois and um, Chicago. Um, Chicago actually registered over 26,000, um, or sorry, the state of Illinois registered over 26,000 gardens um, into the Million Pollinator Garden Challenge, and Chicago had um, almost 14,000 of those. Fantastic. Um, counties did a lot too. All right, Mary Phillips from the National Wildlife Federation, thank you so much. Thank you. Chicagoans are always looking for new resources and innovative ways to live healthier lives. This is Peggy, and I publish Natural Awakenings, Chicago's greenest and healthiest local magazine. And if you want to reach our area's fast-growing wellness and sustainability market, you need to get your business in front of our 80,000 targeted monthly readers. Call me today at 847-858-3697 and check us out at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good.
nailed it. Played a little uh, CD roulette here <laughs> on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki in, in the hopes that uh, Mark Zuckerberg won't hear the music and shut us down. But maybe he'll send us a free T-shirt, one of his T-shirts. Oh, that boy. He had. Uh, get a shirt with a collar, dude. All right, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're going to get to Ryan Anderson in just a second. Got a minute for your trees? Bartlett Tree Experts is a presenting sponsor of the Plant Clinic at the Morton Arboretum. And their latest plant health care report has some great information about our weather. And Rick DeMaio oh, will be talking. I know. Rick DeMaio will be here later in, uh, in the second hour to talk about the crazy weather. And it has been crazy this spring. Keep in mind that we have had several years of stressful weather. We had heat and drought in 2012, serious flooding in 2013, polar vortex in 2014. There have been a series of two wet springs followed by two dry summers. This spring has been a roller coaster. I mean, just in the last couple of days with 70 degree temperatures in the morning and then, uh, you know, heat, uh, 43 heat, and fog in the evening and then wet snow and near freezing the <laughs> next day. That leads to a lot of stress on your plants. So what should you do when buying new plants? Make sure to match the plant with a suitable location. Give new landscape plants proper care. That means regular watering when rainfall is inadequate. And that'll happen, folks. We'll get all this rain, and then for three weeks we won't have anything. And folks will say, well, we had the rain before. And then the plants are, are, are stressed out. Uh, it does not always mean fertilizer. Fertilizer fixes nutrient deficiencies. It will not fix drought, wet soils, poor planting, or improper siting of a plant. Or volcano mulch. Or volcano mulch. And when you're not sure what to do to help your trees, give Bartlett Tree Experts a call because every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. And in the studio with it, look who's here. Yay! It's uh, Ryan Anderson. Uh, from Midwest Grows Green, sometimes known as MGG, and I and I was kind of making fun of you guys because uh, uh, on my blog because you have an orange seal, uh, uh, <laughs> not 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 like ur, 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 no, but a seal of approval. Uh, and I'm thinking it should be a green seal, shouldn't it? Why is it orange? Uh, we think it's a really recognizable brand, so we want uh, Midwest Grows Green to be that orange stamp, and mm -hmm. uh, we share it at three critical places. So pesticide-free parks is our most recognizable one, working with park districts and school districts to go pesticide-free. Then we also have, uh, for our eco-labeling program with uh, uh, retailers like uh, Ace Hardwares to eco-label their natural pesticides and organic fertilizers, and then finally that community engagement piece. So the whole concept is to see that orange a label and mm -hmm. people kind of intuit our message, which is natural lawn care, organic gardening, reducing pesticides and synthetic fertilizers. Right, and you probably heard in the first segment we were talking to Mary Phillips uh, about the Million Pollinator Garden Challenge, and you, if you're, they go hand in hand. Basically, a pesticide-free lawn, a natural lawn, uh, and pollinators. I mean, you don't. Our, our our rule on this show is make the lawn as small as possible and then add pollinator plants wherever you can. But if you do have a lawn, do it smart, and that's mm -hmm. the idea. Now, you and Ellie go back to the Midwest Pesticide Action Center, right? You guys yes. work together <laughs> there. And, and that group, unfortunately, is no more, but the work is being continued. Uh, sure. And that's a great thing because I loved the work that they did in trying to teach people uh, how to be smarter. And, and, and with me... Because uh, I've been talking about this for decades, a couple of decades at least. Um, 
it's I'm I'm trying to get people to think for themselves and stop stop watching the TV commercials because they're just leading you down the wrong path. They that whole idea and 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 it's interesting. The new commercials they do like the the uh, pesticides rolling out of the spreader in slow mo and like crashing into dandelions. And I'm thinking, yeah, that does that into insects too, and it does it into your dog and to. To, and when you're rolling in yeah, it, your kids bare feet. Yeah, they're else. absorbing that stuff too, and it's 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 not good stuff, is it? No, um, it's not good stuff. And uh, there are environmental as well as uh, public health events uh, effects. But what we're trying to talk to people is the best defense against any pest or weed is a healthy, dense, deeply rooted turf grass system. Right. And so what you want to do is you want to add to that system with compost, organic fertilizers, uh, seeding as opposed to subtracting it when, with what, what you're doing with applying a synthetic pesticide or fertilizer, and you could also affect unintended targets. So that's what we're trying to promote with Midwest Grows Green is that process-based approach, adding to the system, not subtracting to that system. All right. I'm, I want to go into that. I, I will mention, and don't worry, we'll get to Chicago Grows <laughs> Green Week. This is all in honor of that, and that's June 1st through June 8th. <laughs> so we're 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 doing a ramp up here and we're going to tell you about some great events coming up and where you're going to show out some of these techniques aren't you correct yeah. um but you you've said exactly the right thing about lawn care which is you don't need that stuff you if you've got compost and you use the proper techniques like core aerating overseeding mowing high watering infrequently um, you're going to have a healthy, strong lawn, and you're going to be able to fight off diseases and insects. Um, the folks, uh, I, you know what I'd be really interested in because you probably get this question all the time is grubs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I tell people is, okay, first of all, if you have, if you find a grub, you do not have a grub problem. Mm-hmm. You have a grub. There's a difference. All right. Uh, two, how do you know that the browning in your lawn is caused by grubs? And even if you see some there, that might not be the issue. Mm-hmm. There are diseases that can cause that kind of uh, mm-hmm. issue. Uh, and then three, the way to uh, outcompete the grubs is to have a healthy lawn because a, a healthy lawn with deep roots can withstand some grub uh, mm-hmm. attention. Um, is there anything – what is your – what do you say about that sort of thing? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the primary things that we say. Also, uh, poorly drained areas uh, – tend to if it's or sorry poorly drained areas that are uh covered with a lot of water and stuff like that that tends to the grubs tend to like those areas yeah um but the other thing that we have is first off uh five grubs per if it's less than five grubs per square foot you're fine uh with your lawn um so tests uh do that kind of count per square foot the final thing is there's a product called beneficial nematodes Mm -hmm. Uh which are um these basically microscopic worms uh, you spread it on a kind of rainy day, um, just kind of broadcast spray it, and they just eat through the grubs. And so you'll do that kind of in the summer when they start to uh, come up to the surface, and uh, that's a really good natural, uh, non-toxic way to manage your grubs. Have you uh, used beneficial nematodes yourself? I don't actually have a lawn, ironically. Ah. But <laughs> give, that man, give that man a ding. He has no mowing to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> I live in an apartment, so I have not used it. But we have a lot of um, we have some park districts that have used it, as well as um, some organic lawn care service providers as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and I've seen lawns that are are maintained naturally in mm-hmm. Skokie uh, mm-hmm. through um, uh, was that um, oh ah the. And I'm going to forget the the name of the uh, company. Logic. 
Logic. Logic. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, give Logic a <laughs> Logic lawn care and uh, Steve Newman. Yeah. Um, and uh, he took me over there, and you know, y- you you look at that lawn and you say, "Wow, that's great! I would roll in that any day." <laughs> and, and and yeah, you can find a little clover in there. And and by the way, folks, again, shall I emphasize? Clover is not a weed. It is a nitrogen fixer. It and is pollinators t- like it. And yeah. pollinators like it. So we were just talking about the million pollinator garden challenge. You want pollinators? Have clover. And, and, and what people say about that is, well, if I walk in my bare feet, I might get stung. Well, you probably won't, <laughs> all right, first of all. And second, wear shoes. All right, now uh, we're we're done. End of story. Because the bees are more important than your bare feet. I'm just telling you. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna give you the the lowdown on that. Well, the, uh, the bees have bare feet in the lawn. Um, they do. Uh, but uh, one of the things that I've learned is that when you have clover, obviously it, it's it's fixing nitrogen. It's doing actually good things for your lawn, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, it is. It and you could actually not need any fertilizer. There's actually a new um concept out there it's called eco lawns we're trying to promote it this year um and it's basically using clover micro clover as is based the company that mm-hmm. we work with is pro time lawn seed out in uh oregon state and it uses micro clover as its base but it also has like english daisy and it's their uh, main product is fleur de lawn uh, fleur de lawn all right we gotta <laughs> give that a day oui, oui. <laughs> and we're going to be installing that um in two places in chicago one is a glen art farm which uh, is a goat farm out here, uh, and they're going to be doing the Fleur de Lawn. Why waste it on goats, I say, you know? <laughs> yeah. Give it to human beings. find being. it very tasty. <laughs> and, and then the last one is uh, Riverdale Park District. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be doing just the, their microclover as well as uh, it has the fine fescue and the annual, uh, sorry, uh, perennial uh, bluegrass, Kentucky bluegrass. Uh-huh. Now, mm. are there some mixes better for shade? Yep, there's uh, shade-tolerant ones. They also have a dog-tolerant one, too, hmm. so it uh, can tolerate the salt um, from u- uh, pet urine. Although, uh, well. although I bet if, if, it, if the urine is concentrated enough, it's going to take out a little a patch there. But, and <laughs> that's, you know, and, and that's the thing. And people, what's the, um, they say, uh, folks tend to say that uh, the female urine is more potent than the male, but mm-hmm. it, the truth of the matter, from what I've read, is that the female squat, and that's the difference. So they mm-hmm. concentrate it all in one area where, where the males are, are spraying, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that makes a, a difference. Uh, but there's a trick for that, but you have to have seen the dog do it. You just go out with a, with a bucket of water and, and wash it through, which, which will help. But getting back to the eco lawns, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of those are fescue blends, mm-hmm. um, and they will uh, tolerate shade conditions. And once they're established, they don't need watering um, for a long time. Um, on my show, I had a sponsor called Ecolawn. They're out of Toronto. Okay. Um, and they've been all over the country. But there's so many, um, so many different uh, companies now that have um, uh, Lomo and Nomo yeah. brands that you can e- just type in Lomo, Nomo, and you'll find them. All right. got to get to this. We'll get back to Ryan Anderson. Um, think the weather is cool? Well, at City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, it's hot, hot, hot. Tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, squash, melons, and did we mention tomatoes? Not to mention annuals, perennials, and fabulous natives. For the entire month of May, make a purchase at City Grange. Tell your cashier that you're with the Peterson Garden Project, and a portion of your purchase will support their mission to recruit, educate, and inspire folks to grow their own food. 
5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. Free valet parking on the weekends. City Grange. Learn. Shop. Blossom. Uh, we are in the studio with Ryan Anderson. Uh, by the way, if you got a question or a comment, 877-711-5611 or on Facebook or on Twitter. we got all those things going. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to talk more about Chicago Grows Green Week, June 1st through June 8th, and how to make your yard more pollinator-friendly by keeping it safer. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we shall return. Being a meteorologist, you see things daily that can be related or not related to climate change. And then you separate that from the climate science and the social policy. So it's almost like teaching three classes. Meteorology, which is short-term, the climate, which is long-term, and then the policy, which is government, whether or not it's federal, state, or local. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate on WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and Buddy Guy. And in this sticky heat, I feel you. Open up to me. Ah, yeah. Feels like rain. Sure does. Mm -hmm. Every day. (laughs) Right now, (laughs) lately, feels like rain. Uh, We have in the studio with us, and so glad to have him here, Ryan Anderson, um, who is... uh, with the Midwest Grows Green organization, and we're talking about Chicago Grows Green Week. But again, this can apply anywhere in the country if you're listening to us uh, elsewhere. What you need to do is is get an organization going like this or contact uh, the Midwest uh, uh, grows green organization and say, hey, how do we get this started in our city? Because uh, you guys now have, are kind of the model for this, I would think. Absolutely. We work a lot in the Great Lakes areas. There are um, some uh, other organizations that do similar work out on the East Coast and West Coast, but we're kind of uh, very unique uh, for the Midwest. So if you're in mm-hmm. the Great Lakes states uh, and if you're working with the city to go pesticide-free or a park district to go pesticide-free, give us a call or 
uh, email. And be, be, before we get to the events, uh, what kind of organizations are involved in Midwest Grows Green? We tend to work a lot with uh, citizen action groups like Go Green groups out here in Illinois. So we have Go Green Park Ridge uh, um, and a, a number of those other ones that we partner with. And then we tend to give them the resources mm-hmm. to engage their park district or school district to, to talk about natural lawn care uh, and pesticide reduction and uh, we continue to kind of work and provide as many resources as we can yeah. to go pesticide-free on their properties. And you've got a webinar coming up, actually, with Go we Green do. Park Ridge. Yeah, uh, with Go Green Park Ridge. That is on June 3rd during Chicago Girls Green Week. Mm-hmm. It's called Building Capacity. Um, actually, Park Ridge is a really uh, unique situation where they broke their contract with a conventional lawn care provider. It was called uh, True Green. <laughs> um, and they decided to manage all their properties uh, in-house as well as pesticide-free. Hmm. Um, I did so, not know that. <laughs> yeah, so it's a very unique uh, thing because most school districts across greater Chicago actually contract with a conventional lawn care provider because they tr- provide these weed control and fertilization at just such cheap prices. Um, so we work with Go Green Park Ridge to provide some recommendations to amend that contract. We worked with the staff, had multiple meetings with the staff, and then we ultimately decided the people that make the final decision comes from the school board. So we attended school board meetings. And last year, late last year, they made a decision to break their contract with True Green and then uh, invest in uh, a natural lawn care program. So we're going to implement that program. And for the webinar, we're going to cover what that program is and what we kind of uh, did to engage the school district. Here's what I would like to do. Go Green uh, Park Ridge has invited me. Uh, they're, they're working on it. They say, we want you to speak uh, later in, in the mm-hmm. year over there. Uh, but what I would love is to go over to where you guys are doing your natural lawn care in Park Ridge because it's not very far from here. And, hey, you folks at Go Green Park Ridge, if you're listening, mm-hmm. uh, we'd like to come and shoot some video there, I mm-hmm. think, of, of what you guys are doing because that's really brave. That's mm-hmm. a really great idea for them to do. Uh, and I hope other municipalities pick up on it uh, because uh, you know because you, you've done this before. It's it's not re- if if you're paying attention, it's not going to be more expensive than the chemical route, is it? Mm-hmm. No, um, because it might be at, at the beginning, um, yeah. just because. Uh, but natural lawn care makes its decisions off data points. So uh, the first data point that we have is that soil test that tells us how much nutrients we need and everything like that. And that first one might tell you you need some more compost, you need some more organic fertilizers. But over time, it's going to you're going to build that healthy turf grass system that is going to use less uh, fertilizers and less uh, pesticides, and so that's thus that's reducing your costs. And I'll tell you, because uh, I did some research uh, for a talk I did just a couple of weeks ago about uh, the four. Uh, four-step programs and and how much fertilizer do you need in in a season, folks? You can get away with one if you, it re, you can really get away with one, and you do it right after Labor Day. End of story, done for the year, really. And you and you can stop buying all that product. Um, some people say you don't need it at all if you're returning your grass clippings to to the soil because you're adding nitrogen there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, grass doesn't need fertilizer to green up in the spring. I'm telling you, it does it on its own. So. 
uh, I'm I'm in favor. Less is more in Absolutely. that case. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get to the uh, the events of uh, Chicago Grows Green Week. Uh, you've got a kickoff on June first. Uh, Riverdale Park District's commitment to safe and pesticide free parks, and this is such a good thing when you have buy-in from from park districts, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we're excited about Riverdale. This is our second year working with Riverdale. Um, they are low-income community, but they're pesticide-free on all their parks, and they're uh, kind of uh, kind of an innovative. They're helping us do some of these projects like that uh, eco lawn, uh, as well as all these all their parks being managed pesticide. Fantastic. I wonder. I'd like. I'd be interested in what kind of eco lawn they have. That, like I said, there's a lot of them now out there. For, you know, ten, five mm-hmm. years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, there were one or two products, and now they're all over the place. <laughs> uh, then you've got the uh, Lysel. I'm kidding. The Lyle Organic <laughs> Park kickoff uh, on June 2nd. Uh, you can learn about pollinator protection in the Lyle Park Dist- District's four new organic parks at this natural lawn care demonstration. Yeah, um, they're, they're piloting four organic parks. It's going to be at least Glane Park is uh, one of them. Um, and we're going to be doing some different games that demonstrate uh, natural lawn care, the different aspects of that process-based approach. Um, so that fertilization, that core aeration, um, everything like that. Are you going to have a core aerator on site? I don't know. I don't. You, 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 you know, you've got to because you got to show people. And one of the things you got to show them is these are big honking machines, all right. And that you might want to have a professional do this for you because I've used one and I ran it into a car once, Oops. so that's not a good thing. No. Uh, but uh, well, that's cool. And the fact that they've got four new organic parks is is awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right. Then you've got the the MGG Forums Building Capacity Webinar. Is that the one yeah, we the were one talking we just about? Talked about. We right, and that's on June third. And uh, how can folks uh, find out about that? Yeah, so it's a uh, shortened link. It's bit bit dot ly slash llf uh, in caps, and then cgg in caps. I t- tell you what. I tell you what. I've got the link here. On, uh, so uh, just go to mikenovak.net. Yeah, all right, be and and click on that. You can be part of that seminar. And then you've got the. The CGG Week Celebration Fundraiser, June 8th. Uh, you can support the programs across greater Chicago at Dig Right In. Yeah. Uh, and we love Jeff Swano. He's yeah. been on the show before, and I, I've worked with him at ILCA, and he's a great guy. So tell us about the, that. Yeah, um, it, we're going to kind of celebrate all the sustainable landscaping progress. We're going to have a couple of local action groups like Go Green Brookfield is going to be on there as well as uh, Deep Roots Project. But mm-hmm. we're also doing a native plant sale. The last date of pre-order is today, actually. Oh, no. Well, get out there. <laughs> um, for the native plants, 10% goes to our nonprofit, Midwest Grows Green. Now, I'm wondering, uh, <laughs> did we have that on our plant sale list? I hope we did. I think you did. Yes. Okay, great, um, great. Last said- date who, who was providing the plants? Uh, native plants, natural communities. Or, sorry, natural communities, native natural plants. Natural communities. Uh, yes. <laughs> Nick <right>. Fuller. <laughs> yeah, Nick Fuller. We know all these people. <laughs> and the other thing uh, that's... to give him a ding, too. So. Yeah. The other thing that's being sold is compost tea. Um, and D- Jeff Squano at Dig Right In, they make mm-hmm. their own compost tea, and they're donating 100% of their proceeds from the compost tea to our nonprofit. I got to have, I gotta have <laughs> him come in and talk compost tea because it's... It's it, it's a little bit controversial because some people think it really works well and other people go, hmm, not so much. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to say uh, at this point. I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that says uh, the jury's out and you need to show me. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, and, and I love natural uh, solutions. So um, I, 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 I invite Jeff to come in and duke it out with me about compost <laughs> The gauntlet tea. has so, been thrown. All right, so you can find all of this stuff by going to Chicago Grows Green Week. I've got 
the uh, the link on my website, but just go to midwestgrowsgreen.org, and you'll find all the information. Look for the orange badge there, and you know you've gone to the right place. So, um, Ryan, that's fantastic. Thank you uh, for coming down and being with us. Thanks for having us. Uh, and uh, keep up the good work, and you got to stop back in and and. I want to go through the nuts and bolts of it at, at some point. Absolutely. All right. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. More coming up. More. I'm losing More. my mind. More. Captain's log started 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good tools to make Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Second big hour. And uh, we got some uh, thank yous to do before we get to Madison mm-hmm. Hopkins. Uh, and the first big thank you and a, a ding is to Kathleen Thompson. Uh, if you folks go to the Mike Novak Show... Uh, at MikeNovak.net, M-I-K-E-N-O-W-A-K.net. We got a a whole new design there uh, that she has done, and it's really cool. Yeah. And we really appreciate it. If you go to the the homepage, uh, we got some quotes from people who have listened to the show. We've got uh, ways... we figured out ways for you to listen to the show. You can where you can go to the the week's show, this week's show, and recent podcast. We've got the, it says the show on the left, and it'll give you a little background about mm-hmm. uh, who we are and what we do. And we have Legata looking over the whole site. That's right, uh, kind of our new mascot. Um, uh, Legata means the cat, <laughs> which is my and cat. That is the cat. That's the cat. And she's uh, so cute. She really is. She's the best. And uh, she's uh, going to be kind of the um, kind of an icon for us. We're going to use her in various things. You're going to see uh, Legata around. Cat so, videos? Uh, you know, we might have to do cat videos because I've 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 succumbed. I've just de- <laughs> I've decided that uh, uh, I don't I don't even care about being serious anymore because it's all about cat videos. And if that's the only way we can get people to pay attention to the environment, we'll have cat. That's videos. what we're going to do. We're going to have cat videos. In fact, La- we did include her in one last year. Uh, we did. We haven't yeah. posted it yet, but it's it's going to get up there. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to do more cat <laughs> videos with uh, Legata yeah. and certainly cat pictures. 
and uh and uh i'm i don't care i'm just you know it's uh if it's cheap and tawdry that's great that works for me or or whatever whatever cat caddy. videos caddy yeah whatever cat videos are so, so great job kathleen Thank you. And and we have the uh, on the side of the page, and I don't know if Ellie saw this, but uh, we've got the uh, Facebook posts are on the side of the page. And the Twitter feeds. And the Twitter feeds. So it's it's all there on the home page now, and we've got links to Chicagoland Gardening and Natural Awakening Chicago and Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. Speaking of. Speaking of. They are now open, and now that the weather's getting... Finally, sort of, maybe, kind of. I don't um, think so. Yeah, well, there's there's intermittent hints of sun, I but don't think so. I, the gardens are starting to look amazing. So now's yeah, the time to get out your phone, get out your camera, take a couple of photos, head on over to Chicagoland Gardening, Chicago Gardening Awards. I don't, <laughs> I can't Chica- remember it. <laughs> ChicagoGardeningAwards.org. Thank you. Head over to ChicagoGardeningAwards.org. Fill out the form. It's free. If you live in the city of Chicago, we would love to have you join this year's competition. Um, you can join online. There's a downloadable form if you want to mail it in. But online's always easier from now through July 7th. Encourage your neighbors, your friends, your family. If you've got a small your, your home. Your enemies. It, pictures of cats might help. No. Um, small home, big home, residential, uh, a business, a community farm, uh, a community park a community garden, an urban farm, any type of city garden, we welcome you to join the competition. Yeah, jump on board. You you, you, you really want to take part in this. Uh, we've, uh, and as we mentioned earlier in the show, we're going to have the Million Pollinator Garden mm-hmm. uh, Challenge uh, as part of this. Uh, they are going to... They're going to support us. We're not exactly sure how yet, but somehow we'll make that work. I think work. they may be giving even a special award this year. That'd you know, that's really quite cool. possible. We may give out a special pollinator award. Uh, and and speaking of Chicago Grows Green, uh, and uh, which we were talking about just before the end of last hour in Chicago Grows Green Week, uh, that's like the the positive side of things, which is how do you treat your lawn and garden so that you don't have to use all that nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. Next week, I'm very happy to say an old friend of the show, David J. Zaber, is going to be with us. Uh, he's a resource ecologist and science educator. Uh, he's got a background and experience in freshwater ecology and natural resource management, environmental and human health risk assessment, pesticide and hazardous substance toxicology. Uh, and so we, we got to talking. Because he listens to the show, and we've been friends for a while. And I said, you know, we need to explain mm-hmm. what some of these chemicals are about. Because so, I think folks have this kind of the vaguest idea of how glyphosate works, which is in Roundup, or 2,4-D, which is in weed and feed, uh, or dicamba, or, or, or the neonicotinoids, um, how they affect bees and, and what happens. I think folks just really don't know. And so I said, why don't you come in? And we'll do Garden Chemicals 101. And that's what he's going to do mm-hmm. next week. He's just going to come in and we're going to talk about this and we'll say, okay, here's the chemical. Dave, what are its properties? What does it do? Why should you be careful with it? Uh, what are the positives of this chemical? You know, we're not What are the say, alternatives? What are the alternatives? That kind of thing. Yeah, so... So get your gardening chemical questions ready. Right, for, for next week in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. Uh, and also Rick Moskowitz from A-Plus Pest. 
And his guitar. And is he? Is, well, yeah, he'll bring the guitar. I always let him bring uh, the guitar. You can go to aplusPest.com. Uh, for his for, annual Memorial Day visit to the show. Uh, that's true, because last year, and he just and he just came back from heart surgery now. So we gotta we'll give him a seat. And but he's a great guy. All right, we're talking recycling next on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We hope you stick around for that. Hey, Chicagoland! When you want the best science-based tree care in the area. Go to Bartlett Tree Experts. With locations in Barrington, Naperville, downtown Chicago, and Northbrook, Bartlett has 80 tree care professionals ready to do what's right for your tree and you. They also partner with great organizations like the Morton Arboretum. Whether it's your home or your business, a large job or a small one, every tree needs a champion. Call for a free estimate. Go to Bartlett.com. Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. Spring is finally in the air, and the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards are taking applications for this year's garden competition. Whether your garden is in your backyard, at a school, a church, a business, a community garden, or even an urban farm, you can enter, as long as the garden is in the city of Chicago. Go to chicagogardeningawards.org and fill out an application. It's free, and your plot of paradise might be recognized as one of the best in the city. That's chicagogardeningawards.org. We got three R's we're going to talk about today. We got to learn to reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Reduce, reuse, recycle. What? Okay. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. Peggy's like giving me the high side. No, no, no. Fade it down. Fade it down. Fade it down. <laughs> Zuckerberg's listening. Fade it down. Yep. Okay. <laughs> but at least it's a song that has something to do with our guest in the studio, and that is... Madison Hopkins, who is the an investigative reporter for the Better Government Association, and she's making waves again about recycling in Chicago. Welcome back to the show, Madison. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's great. And uh, you might remember that last uh, October mm-hmm. you were here and uh, you had just written a story um, about recycling in Chicago. And, you know, anybody who's new to this, you, the thing you need, all you need to know about recycling in Chicago is that it's a 25-year effort in futility. Um, That's one way to phrase it. Yeah, I mean, and that's being kind. Um, And it spans two different administrations, two long administrations, one eight years and one 20 years. Uh, Was Daley 20? Was he in that? Not quite 20. No, he was, yeah, pretty close, yeah. Uh, And uh, it... um, uh, folks who come in from other parts of the country come to Chicago and they, they encounter the recycling program <laughs> and their, their heads explode. Uh, and they, they, they'll call me or write and say, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. I, I'm trying to get stuff recycled and it's not happening, happening. So last, uh, October, uh, Madison wrote this piece about how, uh, the, 
blue cart program. And that's the other thing you need to know about Chicago. We do not have a single program that represents recycling in the whole city. And that's part of the problem to begin with, isn't it, Madison? Yes, that's definitely difficult for a lot of residents to wrap their head around these two separate rules for the blue cart, like you mentioned, which is small residential buildings Mm -hmm. and then everybody else. Right. And blue cart is not an ordinance. Mm -hmm. It's a policy. It happens to be connected to the Department of Streets and Sanitation. So, uh, you know, folks want to recycle, and the city started doing that in the early 90s, and they did it on the cheap because they had the blue bag program. And I'm not going to go into that because, you know, it was an abysmal failure. Uh, it didn't work, and then it took Richie Daly a dozen or 15 years to finally figure out that that didn't work, and then he tr- started the transition to blue carts, and then the economy went into the toilet, and it took five years to roll out blue carts. In the meantime, we had had the city of of haves and have-nots where Mm -hmm. some people could recycle and some people couldn't. And during all of this time, even while the blue cart was going through that madness, we had this ordinance that is popularly known as the Burke Hansen Ordinance. Uh, was and and are we allowed to say the word Burke anymore? Is <laughs> is, uh, but yeah, he he had he's been around a long time. So they the passed, Hansen. Yeah, the, yeah, right, exactly. The yeah, fill in the blank Hansen ordinance, and um, uh, it was uh, passed in uh, I believe ninety two and implemented in ninety three, and uh, it was how multi unit buildings in the city of Chicago could recycle, and it was an ordinance that said you have to do this, you have to set up a program. Uh, and guess what? It wasn't enforced. And when I was president of the Chicago Recycling Coalition for my six years there, we would, we would, you know, shout into the void and say, Hey, nobody's paying attention to this. Even when there was a Department of the Environment, mm-hmm. they didn't. And I was told by folks in the Department of the Environment, Richie Daly doesn't like to fine people mm-hmm. for, for noncompliance. And guess what? Rahm Emanuel came in, and guess what? Rahm Emanuel didn't like to fine people for noncompliance, except then he did something else. So I'm going to yes. let you pick it up yes. from here, it's Madison. A, it's interesting. It's a really good history because there is a, such a long history with this, and it's mm-hmm. a lot for people to wrap their brain around that. Like you said, we've had this long kind of storied history with the blue bag program and the blue cart program, but that's really only telling a small chunk of the story because so many millions of Chicago residents, you know, either live or work or shop Mm -hmm. in these bigger buildings that you said since the early 90s have technically been required to offer recycling services in some way. The property owners have to give that, hire out a private company for those services. Said it was never enforced. And finally, when Mayor Rahm Emanuel was in office of a few years ago, he uh, said he was going to revamp all of that and he was going to finally strongly enforce these rules and push through a new city ordinance that was going to do a new inspection program and greatly up the fines against mm-hmm. violators, which was supposed to be a big part Can of I it. Can I stop you right there, though? But that was after pressure from groups yes. that, who said, come on, you know, you, you, you brought the managed competition to the blue cards. Can you at least fix the the multi-unit problem as well? And finally, he he noticed, and I'm not sure why, but... Exactly. There was, he was essentially, the city was essentially shamed into finally taking action (laughs) on this, it seems like, to be honest. There was a group led by Claire Micklin that uh, went and started Mm MyBuildingDoesn'tRecycle.com, which was essentially a crowdsourced website allowing residents to put in their address and say, hey, my building doesn't recycle. And it got thousands of complaints. And so it in some ways just made it hard to ignore from the city's standpoint. I interviewed her early in 2015. I wasn't even on the radio. I was doing podcasts off of my dining room table at the time. We sat down in a restaurant and and I said, because I knew Claire Mm -hmm. from from the the, uh, hack night. uh, And I said, 
she told me what she was up to, and she was so excited. I've got like 200 uh, people who have <laughs> logged on to this, you know, so it was right at the beginning of this, and we kind of watched it. Explode. Yeah, Explode. it really yeah. got big after that. Because people were really upset and they had a place to finally vent their frustration. Definitely. People do get very, very frustrated about this, mm-hmm. especially when you do live in, you know, a high rise downtown. You don't have any recycling options. You know, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to gather it up yourself and bring it to a drop off center, which I met people who do that. But it's a huge burden. Yeah, but, your, your article talks about yes, someone who does that. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's time consuming. It's difficult. And a lot of people in reality, if they don't have that option in their mm-hmm. home, are just not going to recycle. And so, although some people do, they go mm-hmm. out of their way, yeah. and those are the really frustrated ones because they think they're doing the right thing, they, mm-hmm. and and and, they, and they're working really hard to do it, and and the city has made them jump through hoops of fire. Oh yeah, and that's a whole other issue is that you know just on a side note, the city used to have a few dozen recycling drop off locations across the city. I used to go to one. Yes, yeah. and they've <laughs> since reduced it to two. There's two total There's in two? the city right now. Wow. Yeah, and so that's the one on the north Why? side, one on the south side. There's a lot of, you know, potential legitimate issues with the drop-off centers that they had before. They weren't properly manned. They were getting contaminated, et cetera. So, they were overflowing. They were yes. often overflowing. So, yeah. So it seems like the city kind of had options to either significantly mm-hmm. better staff those mm-hmm. or to just close them down. And they chose to just close them down with the rationale that, oh, by us enforcing these larger big building recycling ordinance, we're not going to have as big of a need for the drop-off centers. And, of course – that didn't exactly happen yeah. that way. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, but what, what I was saying about the uh, the way the ordinance has been changed under Mayor Rahm Emanuel is that he promised, uh, you know, in the face of this website that came up and all this public pressure to finally do some of big buildings, he promised to change it and to up the fines, do a new inspection program. And we found that two years into that plan, very little has changed. Only out of the 77,000 buildings that this ordinance affects, uh, less than 1% of buildings have ever even been inspected for recycling. Um, very few fines have been handed out. And three, as three. you, as you yes. wrote in your article. Three for three. a total of $750. Yes. So $250 each, which is important to note because that's half the amount that was supposed to be the minimum required under Emanuel's new rules. They so, couldn't even get the fine right. Exactly. And mm. from what we've seen, it just was a big bureaucratic mess the mm-hmm. way that this rolled out. There was so many record-keeping errors. There was plenty of times when we would go out to properties at the PGA to see properties that the city had inspected to see how it had been done. And we saw buildings that still had no recycling, despite city inspectors marking them as in compliance on their records. We found buildings that were marked as in compliance when, in reality, they might have had a recycling bin, but it was something that wasn't actually giving the tenants significant recycling options, you know, so a very large building, a 10-story mm-hmm. building with one blue cart size mm-hmm. recycling bin. That wasn't so, picked up. Yeah, that doesn't get picked and up. we will check it off as complying. Exactly. Okay. So in reality, two years into this plan, there hasn't been any significant widespread change mm-hmm. to the state of recycling in these bigger buildings. And yet... Uh, there was Rom saying we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna crack down. This is this is gonna happen, and it just I I what I don't understand is why, and I I, I do know why, and you will you allude to it mm-hmm. in your article that I think the city is cowed by the real estate people basically who say no, you can't do that to property owners mm-hmm. and and managers. Uh, we'll We'll flex our political muscles and uh, we'll make your life miserable. That's a, what I was exactly what happened. Essentially, is right before this ordinance went into effect, 
the real estate industry and the property management industry heavily lobbied city council and the mayor's office about this. They said this is going to put an undue financial burden onto these small landlords, you know, mom and pop style landlords. What's a due financial burden? Well, I mean, everything's an undue financial burden, which is to say any any oversight at all is an undue. Yes. Fa- if that's the case, then why have laws at all? Why bother? And keep in mind, at this point, they're just talking about about an ordinance that would have enforced the laws that were already on the books. So pushing against this was essentially pushing for landlords to continue violating the law after decades of it being on the books, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. And so although it did eventually get passed, the one successful uh, change that these industries were able to push into the process was they put into a 30-day warning period. So that meant that city inspectors could not come out and just immediately slap fines onto violating landlords. They had to give them 30 days to come into compliance. And so that did happen. We have Mm -hmm. seen plenty of circumstances where inspectors have gone out, given the warning, the building does everything it's supposed to do and comes into compliance. Like I said, we've also found many instances where that just wasn't the case and the process didn't go the way it was supposed to. And then in the end, these big fines that they were all worried about, like we said, didn't happen. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a sense that very little has changed and there's still very little fear among property owners and landlords that they're going to face any sort of repercussions for breaking the law. And this is... They've been trained. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it seems to be just kind of the, the tip of the iceberg about the, the sorts of things that, that, that go on in the city of Chicago. I had something in my head and it just like flew out. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Peggy, pick it up. Uh, but let's... <laughs> well, yeah. I was say some, yeah, something that I think is interesting about this as well is that if you look at the way other major cities in, that have rules like this on the books enforce it, Chicago's rules are lacking, you know, to say the least. Mm-hmm. We don't have the same level of oversight that you see in other major cities to make sure that when they tell a building you have to recycle, they're actually mm-hmm. recycling. For example, in Philadelphia and San Antonio, their property owners have to report to the city evidence of their recycling program. We don't have anything like that. And, and how hard, yeah, you know, and that was one of the things yeah, that I was and, amazed and, and at. And what's it. the difference? Why? Well, because, again, we just haven't passed that law, and there, it's all about political will, mm-hmm. okay? It, it, the, and maybe the new, we'll get into the idea of having a new administration and, and a, a very new city council as well, mm-hmm. uh, finally having the political will to say, okay, well, we can actually take it out of our hands if we do what some of these other cities are doing. Make it, you have to comply. You have to report and you have to tell mm-hmm. people what your plan is. And then if we don't see that, if it doesn't show up at City Hall, we're coming out to see you. Yes. It might be more, a more efficient way of handling it because the way the city handles it right now is that they only go out and inspect buildings in response to 311 complaints from tenants. Mm-hmm. So that right there is typically a hindrance in a lot of ways. Well, okay, right? let me tell you one thing. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a similar program, a 311 program for picking up yard waste. Yes, exactly. And as I've said many times on this show, if you want to ensure a program fails, make it an opt-in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's the only way we have it now is you have to call 311 and you have to complain. Or in the case of yard waste, you have to call 311 and say, hey, come pick up my stuff. You, that, those programs are yeah. doomed to fail because uh, they need to be set in stone so that you have to respond you have to respond 
Yes, it's also inherently messy, allow, you know, fully requiring on resident information. I found tons of records in these you know, few inspection records that we did have showing that the, the person that was taking down the call didn't write down the address correctly, didn't get the full situation, mm-hmm. or an inspector would go out in response to a complaint but would have never made any contact with the property owner to see inside their building, you know, see what's actually going on in there. Mm-hmm. All they're doing is walking around back seeing is there a recycling bin in yeah. the alley or not, which isn't really telling the whole story with – other aspects of this law requiring an education component. For example, landlords are supposed to have some sort of level of education to their tenants, and that's just not being checked out at all that way. All right. And there's probably a fear factor, too, of tenants mm-hmm. not wanting to call oh, for definitely. fear that the mm-hmm. landlord's going to retaliate. Well, and, and, and people are notoriously bad witnesses. Uh, they... I, there are people listening right now. No offense to you folks listening to the show are going to swear they heard me on WGN today. And, uh, and that's part of, part of what goes on in the world. They don't remember accurately what they saw or what, or, mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. what's right in front of their noses. Um, and that's just human nature. I'm not, I'm not busting yeah, people anybody. People are busy. They're mm-hmm. thinking of other things. Uh, so, uh, we're going to need to uh, take a, a quick break here, but, uh, I want to talk about, uh, the new administration when we come in. Um, and, oh, we got two minutes, so we, we've got a little bit of time. But before we, we do that, uh, we've got a new administration. We've got, uh, as I said, a new city council. I know what's going to happen. They're going to say, oh, we need time mm-hmm. to get this right. And I'm going to say, no, no. What you need to do is hit the ground running because we've all, folks in the city of Chicago have already lost confidence in the system. If yet another administration comes in and says, oh, we really need time. There are things you could do right now to get, you know, send out mm-hmm. the inspector, inspection uh, officers and, and do that until you manage to change the law or say, we're going to change that law to, to, to require uh, landlords to report mm-hmm. to the city that, you know, just and, and put a time limit on it in mm-hmm. 90 days or in 120 days. We're going to change. Mm-hmm. That so law. I'm saying to Lori Lightfoot in your committee, somebody needs to say this, get a plan. Just put one item, a- action item right now for the city of Chicago that we're going to do uh, and let folks know that there is change in the air and it's going to happen is that's what I would say. But I'm being an advocate. OK, we'll get back to Madison okay. Hopkins. Why don't you take care of this, Peggy? So do you think the weather is cool outside? Well, at City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, it's hot, hot, hot. Tomatoes, peppers, cucumbers, squash, melons, and did we mention tomatoes? I think you did. Tomatoes? Oh, yeah. Not to mention annuals, perennials, and fabulous native plants. Now, for the entire month of May, make a purchase at City Grange. Tell your cashier you're with Peterson Garden Project, and a portion of your purchase will support their mission to recruit, educate, and inspire folks. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa, free valley parking on the weekends. City Grange, learn, shop, blossom. Exactly. Head on over there. Get yourself some plants today. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're talking recycling. We hope you stick around for that. We'll be right back. Did you know most farmers travel less than 10 miles to bring fresh food to farmer's markets? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way. To living a deeper shade of green. We all know that local food is fresher, healthier, and better for the environment. Here are a couple of more reasons to love your local farmers markets. Farmers get about 17.4 cents out of every dollar of food delivered to grocery stores, but they get 90 cents out of every dollar from farmers market sales. 
more than 50% of farmers markets now accept some type of voucher for food assistance programs. What's not to love? Find a farmers market near you by going to localharvest.org, eatwellguide.org, or the USDA Farmers Market Directory. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not-so-serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. Welcome to the Mike Novak Show and recycling reports from around the world. Now, actually, just Chicago, <laughs> and it's it's sad here in the city of Chicago, but it could get better. Uh, we were just talking about we're hoping it will. Uh, we have Madison Hopkins, investigative reporter for the Better Government Association. Uh, what I wanted to get to while I still am thinking about it, Madison, is what you had to do to find some of these numbers. It, it, it's pretty remarkable reporting, so congratulations on that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was surprisingly difficult to get this information. <laughs> um, I, I did not expect that Doesn't going surprise into it. Me. Yeah. The, to, just to find out all the information about, like I said, the three fines that were handed out, we had to go to four separate city departments. Which kind of alludes to what I was mentioning earlier with the bureaucratic mess of how mm-hmm. this has been handled. Yeah. Um, a lot of, um, there was a lot of uh, city departments kind of pushing it off into the other ones saying, oh, well, I don't know anything about that. It was yeah, someone else them. did it. For example, the issue with streets and sanitations only handing out fines that were less than the minimum amount required mm-hmm. all happened because the inspectors listed the violations under an area of the municipal code that was not right. That didn't have anything to do with recycling. That was and allowed for lesser fines. So while they originally found, I think it was 10 buildings were actually out of compliance after the second inspection and should have gotten a ticket mm-hmm. by the city rules, once they pass those off to the city department that handles, you know, sending out notices of violations and fines and whatnot, many of them had to be thrown out because of those record keeping errors. So those buildings were just essentially let off the hook. So is that lack of knowledge, lack of training or mistakes or no idea? You know, Street and Sanitation says that at least that one was just done in error mm-hmm. and doesn't have a good explanation for exactly how or why that happened. But it does seem like there was just a lack of general enforcement across the board on this, mm-hmm. a lack of clear direction on how the enforcement of this was going to be rolled out. And because of that, and because of that confusion and just uh, lack of clear road forward, I guess you could say, yeah. we saw a lot of errors right yeah. and left. They didn't and, know what to do with it yeah. when they got the information. And exactly. I remember what I was, when when that thought flew out of my head earlier. Mm. Okay, now, it's it's it. come back in. <laughs> Woo! 
Okay, get a flycatcher. And uh, <laughs> Butterfly net. it's about the different departments. Uh, one of the things we are, a lot of us are hoping will happen is that the Department of the Environment will be reinstated because that is the department that would traditionally handle this mm-hmm. kind of information. And one of the things you noted in your article and that I, I knew about from the get-go with the uh, uh, Emanuel administration was that they took the department, they disbanded the Department of the Environment and they said, well, we'll be more efficient this way. And all I, I scratched my head and I said, no, you're burying the environmental efforts basically by doing that because you diffuse it and then there's no central reporting location. Mm-hmm. And that's what you encountered because you had to go to what, four different departments to try yes. to get information. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think a lot of people are hoping that exact thing that there will be a uh, mayor-elect life that will bring back the Department of Environment and have some sort of centralized location for the handling of the city's all their sustainability efforts and putting recycling under that umbrella as opposed to under treats and sanitation, which, you know, not to give them an excuse on this, but as some sort of a reasoning, they do have a lot on their plate. Mm-hmm. Treats and sanitation I handles agree. a no, lot. I absolutely yeah. agree with that. And so it's understandable at the very least how something like recycling might not get the attention that a lot of residents would hope that it would, given that context. So if you put it into an area where, again, the main goal of looking at it is sustainability as opposed to cost effectiveness or handing out private contracts, stuff like that, we might see a a different level of oversight. And I think, uh, and some people might disagree with me, and Lori Lightfoot actually has disagreed to some extent uh, in terms of replacing people in departments, but I think in streets streets and sand there needs to be some house. Uh, cleaning there. I think that... Uh, and and, and I, maybe reorg so and, that mm-hmm. responsibilities are changed. Yeah, because it hasn't gotten done under two different administrations, so maybe it's time. And I know they've had a lot of different DSS commissioners, mm-hmm. you know, and they, they that's a revolving door. So they come in here and some of them, like uh, Williams was like a, a police guy. What did he know about cleaning up waste? Uh, get a, Get a professional. Get a freaking professional in the job. Yeah, and treason sanitation has also long been known as essentially um, a haven for patronage hiring. At least, you know, the holdover from the decades of the past. Sure. And so there are many, many people in treason sanitation that have been there for decades, and I'm not in the know enough Mm -hmm. within the inner workings of the department exactly where the buck stops, you know, where is the issue here? But it does seem like there's room for significant change when it, how the oversight of recycling happens within that department, if that department even continues to handle it. Right. And this is not, uh, and by the way, uh, and again, here's one more thing you can do. If your building has not had recycling and you want to check on it, oh my God, Madison put this information on the article, which you can link to at MikeNovak.net. Uh, I've got the link there. And folks can go, how many buildings did you put on that list? So that was all the buildings that have already been inspected by the city, or the city says have been inspected at least. Okay. So that was about 486 buildings. So that's all, huh? So you can, yes. so you got another 76,000 oh, yes. out there. So if your building has already been inspected and you're curious about that, you can go on and check. Check to see if the city said, yes, your building is good. And if you don't still have recycling, you can report it again. And we also include information about that in the article yes. mm-hmm. about yes. how you can complain yeah. to the city saying, my building does not recycle. It does not follow the recycling laws. And we're asking that if you do that, to just let us know so that we can keep an eye on it and see exactly how that inspection plays out. And even if it was compliant at one point, it might not be in the exactly. future. So exactly. stay on top of it. Yeah. So there's a lot of situations where we found that. I found a few dozen cases with buildings that had multiple complaints from different tenants. Mm-hmm. So somebody had come out 
cleared it, and then somebody complained afterwards. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a something you need to stay vigilant on. I'll be honest, though, it's hard for people to do that. It mm-hmm. uh, to to uh, lobby and uh, lodge a complaint uh, is is frightening mm-hmm. to folks. They think there's going to be retaliation. Maybe they'll lose their lease or, or something like that. So they're they're afraid to do it, which means government has to step up and help. Although, uh, you know, kudos to the citizens who have done this, mm-hmm. and many have, and you interviewed people, and we've known people, uh, but it's a hard thing to do. And sometimes you don't even have all the information we talked earlier about. You might not know that there's a uh, a program in your building, or you might think it's inadequate, and it actually is. For It's probably not adequate, uh, as, as yeah. you found out. It's more likely to be the other way. Um, I'm on the uh, City of Chicago website here uh, and looking at – now, this is for Blue Cart, which is different from the multi-unit, but you were talking about this, and the last time I went on this site was when you were on the Mm -hmm. program in October. Nothing has changed. They've added – they stopped – putting numbers up as of July of last year. So they basically threw their hands in the air and say, we give up. Um, This is, uh, yes? Well, I was just going to toss in a quick question here because you said that's different from Blue Card. Mm -hmm. So for listeners who might not be familiar, how is it different? Well, say the the recycling rate that the city puts up online, which is what Mike Mm -hmm. is talking about, only takes into account the recycling collected from the residential Blue Card program. Which is single family. Yes, residential buildings with four units or less. And that's really interesting because what it means is that we have no idea what Chicago's recycling rate is because all of these larger buildings are not being included. Mm-hmm. As part of this new ordinance, there that's is... that's all residential larger buildings and not office? It is. So the new ordinance is all residential buildings, so five units or more, mm-hmm. and then office and commercial, it's all buildings, it's everybody else. Okay. And uh, uh, from what I understand, and I could be wrong, maybe mm-hmm. you know something more about this, uh, it seems to me that the commercial buildings tend to be more in compliance than the residential buildings. Did you find anything to... Anecdotally, I did see that to be the case, but yeah. there's no data necessarily just because of the lack That's of information the next report. on it. Yes, to <laughs> lay that out. But as part of this report, we were looking at commercial buildings as well. And I did see anecdotally that that does tend to be the case. Um, I'm not sure exactly why, but it might be something to do with that most of those buildings typically handle their own trash anyway, mm-hmm. as opposed Different to... Different haulers, yes. maybe. Yes. So, so there is that. And, and you would think a business wants to stay squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. They don't want to get in trouble with the city. They are subject to so much, so many more inspections anyway. Too. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, looking at the, at the, the website and the city of Chicago blue cart pickup, they just, they just stopped. In August, uh, as of August, there were no numbers, uh, and it and it leads us to other things that, that the city is so far behind. I was talking to somebody the other day about uh, organic waste pickup, mm-hmm. and and she said, you know, the city's not ready for that. They don't have any infrastructure for that, and that's true. Part of the problem is for twenty five years we can't we can't even recycle a, a bottle properly. So how are we going to recycle organics? We don't pick up yard waste. Uh, we used to, to some degree, and then again, Rom s- just stopped, <laughs> mm-hmm. just stopped doing it, and made it a three one one opt in. So none of that. There are zero numbers for yard waste pickup mm-hmm. in the city of Chicago, so, and by law in Illinois, that cannot go to a landfill, but it is going to landfills. So we're violating the law. But as I found out from some lawyers and and being on Chicago Recycling Coalition, nobody's going to prosecute that. That's never going to happen. So we're violating state law in the city of Chicago, but nobody cares. Yes. Yard waste is really a whole other issue that's just been kind of 
largely swept under the rug. WBEZ did some good reporting on this a few years ago, and I remember they said something to where they tested out this whole process of calling through and wanting to get your yard waste picked up, and they mm-hmm. called all of the different trees and sanitation divisions in the city, and I think that it was all but one told them, just throw it in your garbage or something like that. Wow. They do. They, 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 they basically mm-hmm. tell you, I've got bags sitting in my garage of yard waste. Mm-hmm. I refuse to put them out because I know they're going to go to the landfill, so now i got to find some place for them to go. Mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll bring my chipper over at some uh, point. <laughs> well, but it's not just yeah. branches. It's, yeah, it's everything. It's, it's everything. Yeah, it's, it's everything. everything. So. All right, we got two minutes here. What have we missed that uh, you really want to get across, Madison? Um, I guess just that we are, a lot of people are really hoping that moving forward, there's a total revamp of recycling in Chicago on both ends of this. You know, the Blue Cart program, mm-hmm. as we mentioned, has just a host of problems with the way it's organized. Oh, by the way, 8.81% is our yes. rate as of uh, July of Which, last year. What we found last time we reported on this was the lowest out of any major city in the country. Yes. I think there's a lot of best practices out there looking at how other cities are handling this. And Chicago could definitely use some time to look at what those are and completely revamp our program to finally bring recycling to Chicago in a way that residents actually trust. Mm-hmm. And, and that is part of our problem right now mm-hmm. is that in, in when you and I first talked months ago, I said the uh, citizens are now so cynical mm-hmm. about it. Now you have to overcome that as well. In fact, you and I didn't even get into the whole China thing. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and, and believe me, it's more complicated and nuanced than you think. It's not just that China shut it down and, and now we have no place to take this stuff. No, it, I, I did some research and I put some, go to my website. There are links in there that point out they didn't shut it down completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are other countries that are picking up some of the slack. It's complex. The world is is interconnected, and all and we make too much plastic, and we make too much stuff, and it's and someday mm-hmm. we'll get into that will, that yes, issue a lot anyway. There. Uh, Madison Hopkins from the Better Government Association. Thank you so much for your work. It's, thank you. It's real. Are you going to keep this up? I hope. Yes, yes. We're going to keep looking into it. Keep an eye on it, and we're mm-hmm. definitely going to see how the new mayor handles this, and we'll let you know. Yes, and, definitely. And, and you will be back on this yes. show. Okay. <laughs> Rick DeMaio weather coming up. It's the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. Want to put more life into your backyard soil? The folks at Blazing Star Nursery were amazed at how biologicals from a company called Tinyo helped transform a barren former cornfield to a vibrant native landscape. Now they recommend those products to home gardeners. Tinyo's microbial mycorrhizal fungi and enzymes can be used on all types of crops to improve plant health and overall production. Go to blazing-star.com and while you're there, check out their pollinator packets. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Open Lands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connections to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from your childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse their collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. That's tree-stories.org. 
singing in the rain, just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling, I'm happy again. Ah, yes. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki and now Rick DeMille's theme song. Uh, go- singing in the rain and dancing in the fog. And dancing in the mud. Uh, how you doing, Rick? Yeah, all those things. I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm doing okay. Uh, I have to admit, this weather is definitely depressing me. It's like <laughs> goes up and down and up and down. And if you live like Peg and I do within a block and a half of the lake, you know, you go from, oh, wow, it's nice out, to, oh, no, it's horrible out. <laughs> yeah. It's like you, you, can't, you can't catch a break on having one day where you know that it's going to be nice from the morning through the afternoon into the evening. And I think what's becoming, you know, more, I think, downing for most people is every weekend seems to have uh, a bit of everything with it from a standpoint of cold, low clouds, fog, drizzle, thunderstorms, rain, and for gardeners, it must be a horrible time. But for people just trying to be outside, it's hard to make plans and Next thing you know, next week is Memorial Day weekend. It's like, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? Folks have been asking me. They write to me and say, can I put my tomatoes out? And I, and I tell them, ah, I don't know. I would not. You know, I and, and I have said for years. It depends where you live. And I have said for years. Right. It depends when you live. Exactly. It depends where you live. Uh, and I, I have always said that I think June 1st is, is more accurate mm-hmm. than Mother's Day because because of years like this. If you had planted them right. on Mother's Day, you had some 40s and 50s that you were dealing with this past week. Hey, we, we had a couple of upper 30s in yep. some areas to the south and southwest, uh, which I think sometimes, you know, those areas of the Chicago metropolitan area kind of get slighted because we always say colder west and northwest. But, you know, you go into the southwestern areas of Cook County, rural areas of Will County, down around Kendall and King County, it gets just as cold there as it does out in DeKalb and up around the Rockford and Aurora area. But, yeah, we had a couple of, even northwest areas of Indiana, Valparaiso had a low of 37 early this week. And what's amazing is it's actually snowing in the Black Hills of South Dakota, and there's frost and freeze advisories for Denver, Colorado. Wow. And you go, Denver's not supposed to have frost and freeze warnings in the month of May. Typically, you've been warm enough where the soil is warm enough but you're getting that kind of pattern, and this has been extremely active. I don't think I've seen a pattern like this since probably back in 1993 when we had this tremendously deep area of low pressure persistent across the Rocky Mountains into the desert southwest. You had this huge ridge of high pressure over the south and southeast. Um, and I'm going to see you know Tom Skilling later on this afternoon at this event down mm-hmm. at the Museum of Science and Industry as well as Dr. Steve Ackerman from University of Wisconsin, and obviously we're going to be there talking about, you know, climate change policy, things like that, but when you get the three of us off to the side, we're going to talk about the current weather (laughs) and what's happening and whether or not this pattern resembles anything that we've seen in the past, because sometimes you don't realize you're in a heavy rain pattern until you're halfway into it, and this is beginning to resemble the horrible years of 1993 and 2008. Uh, and last week, uh, I saw this coming because I saw an article I sent to you. I don't know if you had a chance to read it, but... Uh, yeah, I had a chance to read it. <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't think it was... Uh, uh, it, it basically said that uh, because we're, we've are we got a wobbling polar vortex, it was going to cause right. some of the... Uh, and they said, look out for storms all week, and it's pretty much what's happened. 
Right, but I, I think why I, I, I dispel articles like that is it's one thing that what's in the article, it's another thing of the headline. And a lot of times articles have headlines um, made so that people look at it and they click on it, and then they go, wow, look, someone looked at my article as opposed to someone <laughs> read my article. So I'm really against articles that have these headlines, like when we had um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez a couple of weeks ago say that the Earth could end in 12 years unless we sign this new green deal. That's not going to happen. The Earth's not going to end in 12 years. So are you supposed to get people upset and excited and 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 in some sort of stage of neurosis about about current climate and current weather? Or do you educate them and talk about what could happen? I'm, as you know, more on the side of education. This is what's going to happen. This is what we should do about it. But when I see articles where you start to see all these horrible things happen, I, I stray away from them. All right. Madison Hopkins is in the room. This is a warning to you when you're when you're doing stories. <laughs> yes, it is. It's do you, very do you, on par with journalism in general. I know. Do you have control of your own headlines? We do, yes. We've got a big say in them. Because the uh, in the old yeah. days, and you know this, Rick, in the old days in the newspapers, oh, yeah. the, the, story, the one who had the byline did not control what the headline was. Right. Oh, I know. I know. I mean, I had, I had many tussles with producers saying, this is what I wrote for your for your uh, fifteen second film. I'm like, I, I don't like that. Why? But that's what's going to happen, right? I'm like, yeah, but you made it sound way too bad. They go, yeah, but we want people to tune in for you. I'm like, yeah, but but that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> and you realize after a while, the more you do that, and the less it happens, people are smart. They go, mm-hmm. why do you guys always make a big deal about stuff? I'm like, I'm not. I'm I'm telling you what it is. Sometimes it's the producers doing it to make sure that their ratings were higher, or someone got a click. On a, on, a, on a certain on a certain title, you know, for a story. So, you know, it's best when you're talking about science, be scientific. Okay, don't don't try to be, you know, all this hyperbole about what's going to happen and the world is going to come in. But the bottom line, getting back to the current weather, guys, this is a situation now that we've seen. I think early this week, uh, Illinois Farm Bureau said that only 11 percent of corn was planted so far in the state of Illinois. That mm-hmm. number is probably up to maybe 20 percent. But all the rain that we've had the last couple of days and then the lack of drying conditions, even when we get a day of sunshine, if you've had two or three days of rain, the crops and the fields are basically still muddy. So yeah. people, they would look at the sky and go, wow, it's sunny out. The farmers go, I need two more days of this. I don't even think we're going to get that this week until maybe Wednesday or Thursday. So rain coming at us in the next couple of hours, dry tomorrow, and then another soaker during the day on Tuesday. And it looks like it could be a significant severe weather outbreak. across the southern plains during the day on Monday. Yikes. And, of course, we had a a bunch of tornadoes yesterday. Yesterday, Are are, are we going to have more today? Um, Today, I think it's more of like the in-between system. Usually these systems, once you get two days of heavy rain, it's hard for the atmosphere to reload. Uh, But what I see going on right now is another area of low pressure developing across western Texas, pulling moisture northward parts of eastern Texas, have had nearly 20 inches of rain since the 1st of March. Now that area heavy rain is shifting northward up into Oklahoma and Kansas and now in parts of Missouri and Iowa. So before I was talking about how the fields in Illinois were flooded, now that flooding is all across portions of Iowa. So what we saw back in 93 and 2008 was not so much heavy rain in one area, but it generally covered a much larger area. And I think we're kind of getting into that situation. So this is going to be real critical because farmers typically cannot plant anything in the ground after the 20th of May. And when you look at the calendar, the 20th of May 
is upcoming this week. My goodness. That, yeah, and a, and a lot of those farms are still recovering from the rains a month ago uh, where they got completely flooded. Uh, and, and, and Mike and Peg, they're also dealing with what's going on in Washington with the tariffs, with soybeans and corn. So they have not had an easy two mm. weeks, and they're definitely not going to have another easy week ahead of them. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, give us, give us a forecast. You, you, you gave it kind of yeah, a half, so, half forecast. Uh, it, 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 it feels like a late Florida morning right now with temperatures in the 70s, dew points in the 60s. Rain is out across portions of West Illinois. That'll be here probably in about two hours. It'll end by about 3 o'clock. And then after that, windy, wetter weather coming in back into the area during the day on Tuesday. We get a break tomorrow, but temperatures only in the 50s tomorrow and Tuesday. And then finally warming up in dry weather Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday all three days. Greens in the mid to upper seven. Hopefully that'll stick. <laughs> yeah, a break. We get 50s. <laughs> that's, that's, Woo-hoo. A, that's a break. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Rick. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. All right. I want to thank everybody who is on the show today. Mary Phillips on the Skype machine from Maryland. That was fun. From the National Wildlife Federation. Ryan Anderson uh, from Midwest Grows Green. Don't forget, uh, we've got the... Chicago Grows Green Week coming up. And, of course, Madison Hopkins right here in the studio uh, from the Better Government Association. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.